guys, welcome to the More Than Mom podcast. I'm your host, MJ Cash, and your new mom BFF. And guess what? You get me without any awkward playground small talk. On this podcast, we'll be covering everything we possibly can to help you thrive in all of your roles, not just as mother, but as wife, woman, and individual with your own passions and dreams. I hope that you'll choose to continue along this journey with us as we all begin to figure out how to become more than mom. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the More Than Mom podcast. Man, are we excited to have you. We are, this is week two of a social distancing podcast. <laughs> I believe we're on day 19 of being in our house. I Gosh, it's, is it, is anyone else lost track? I have. I've lost track in a major, major way. I don't know what day it is anymore. I just know there's going to be a lot more days ahead of us. And here's what I have taken away from it, guys. First of all, a couple things. First of all, I thoroughly believe that if we are intentional about it, we will come out of this better. As Not just as individuals, but as a whole society. And I think if if we as a society are intentional and when we're done with this, not just getting out and and acting like it never happened, if we actually allow ourselves to learn lessons from this period and make changes based on those lessons, I actually think this is going to turn out to be a wonderful blessing in many ways. Obviously, um, unfortunately, with a lot of heartache attached to it because this is such, it's just, everything about it is so serious and so scary. And there are so many people losing their lives to this, which is heartbreaking. But I do think that we as a society have the, have the ability, if we choose to, to come out of this and really make some changes for the better based on our time spent at home with our families and prioritizing that and also realizing how much we value our time spent in relation with others because that's been stripped away and that's really hard. So that's one thing I definitely am hanging on to with this is I just feel like it, this is a large enough interruption into our lives that this could be a game-changing moment for us as a world if if we choose for it to be. But it is going to take a lot of of active change. The second thing I've learned is to just give myself grace during this. I have had more good days than bad uh, by a long shot. I think in the 18 days I have had 19 days. Sorry, in the 19 days I have had three that I just like wasn't feeling it, man. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that means I had, I had 16 awesome days. I had 16 good days with my family, with my kids, hanging out at our house. And then I had three days that were spread out in there that were just hard. I woke up and from the second I woke up, I was like, oh, man, I just, I don't feel right today. And all day long, I was doing everything I physically knew how to do. Um, I was I was taking every action I knew to change my mood around, and it just never happened. And I think what's happening, I, I'm someone that can can rationalize um, optimism. I can consciously choose that everything's gonna be great and everything's gonna be awesome. But I think this is such a huge world trauma and such a huge world interruption and just such a huge shift in everyone's life and it's heavy and I think that sometimes what's happening on those days that I wake up and like no matter what I do it just seems like my mood is just going to be kind of blah that day heavy that day that I think our subconscious and our bodies even if we're so intentional about being consciously positive I think the subconscious is still having to deal with all of this and um, sometimes that catches up to us and sometimes that catches up to our bodies and our bodies just need a couple days to process it every now and then because it's just a lot and so one thing I've been really careful about doing is just giving myself grace on those days and allowing myself to have those days without any feelings of guilt around it so like there are you know there are some days when I wake up like that that I'm not doing anything Nothing productive is happening around the house. Um, unfortunately, I tend to be more checked out from my kids. I tend to have a shorter temper with them. 
I might not be constructing as many crafting activities for them those days and I'm just allowing that to be okay and if that just turns into a day where I feed them fruit snacks and um, protein bars and <laughs> things that are easily accessible and we watch TV then that's just the way it's gonna go. Fortunately I'm really happy to say that everyone in our household's healthy still, all of our family's healthy still, um, which is a huge blessing and we recognize with Bobby going out every day that we don't know um, if and when that'll that'll change so we're just taking every day that we get with health as as just you know such a blessing um, and just being very very thankful and grateful for it and in the meantime continuing to pray for uh, divine healing over this world and um, trying to make the most of our time you know I I'm someone who I overload my schedule to a fault um, I'm constantly on the run. I'm constantly on the move, which is really great when it comes to productivity, but it can be a lot and it can distract me from, from maybe things that are a higher priority. So this is a really great time and I'm doing my best to really focus on the really important things right now. I'm learning how to spend more quality time with my kids. I'm learning how to schedule out our day better with intentionality. I'm relearning how to, um, put together crafts and stuff for them to do, which I used to do a lot of, but I haven't in the last year and a half or so. Just enjoying this time. I'm, I'm learning how to just sit outside at our house and just soak it all in. I'm learning how to, um, I'm definitely getting more house projects done <laughs> that I've been put off for a while and unpacking more things from our move that we had in November. So all in all, I feel like this has been a really great time, um, but I do know that a lot of people are hurting the world is all hurting together. We all have heartache together around different things, whether that's um, just an exhaustion of a change of your daily life, whether it is being overwhelmed with having to school your children, with uh, the fear that comes with having a spouse or a family member or yourself have to be an essential worker who's working the front lines of this, whether it's as a first responder like mine is, or if it's in the medical field, or if it's in the grocery stores, or if it's in um, any of the other essential stores, or as janitors cleaning up all these places that we're all working in, there's fear that comes along with that for sure. Whether it is someone in your family has been sick, there's just so many reasons that our, that our world is hurting right now, but it, I think there's something quietly beautiful about the fact that the whole human race is hurting together right now. It's not fun to hurt, but it's pretty special to see our, our world come together in the way that it has. What, and, and not just that, but ironically come together through forced separation, right? It's crazy. It's just, it's, 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 it's crazy. So anyways, that's enough talk on that. But it's one of those things we have to talk about because it's obviously happening. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I hope everyone's hanging in there. I hope everyone is giving themselves grace on the bad days and also doing everything they can to have as many good days as possible in this. Uh, because when the day comes that we're all back to work and back on the grind and back to our daily schedules, um, I think there's gonna be a little, there's gonna be bits and pieces of this that we miss. Not all of it, for sure, but the little bits of, of downtime that we get to have with our family and the quiet time that we get to have with ourselves. So here is the very fun thing about today. Probably about a month ago, I asked you guys a question on whether or not you would want this subject on the podcast. And I honestly had no idea what the answer was going to be. And it was over overwhelmingly yes guys you I, I I tell Ari who I interview in this episode today I think it was the most interaction I've ever had on my social pages people were like yes 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 please have an episode on this so we did um I'm talking to Ariana Iapini she is a new friend of mine I met her through Mary Jo Anderson Port to Palm up in Boston and she's incredible and I know you guys have seen me do a 
plethora of house projects around here since we are locked in our house. And one of those things that we're getting all set up right now is our garden. So Ari is here today. She is a absolute garden wizard, guys. I mean, she's, I, I truly, I've had experience with her now because she is helping us with uh, she's coaching us through our own garden here at this house so I've had hands-on experience with what she does for a living and y'all I can honestly say I am blown away at how thorough she is her knowledge level it is incredible so she is amazing right now is her busiest season by a long shot because everyone is getting geared up for spring planting and She was gracious enough to give us about an hour on here of just pure love and knowledge. And I'll tell you what, Ari showed up, y'all. If there is anyone who can take a subject like gardening and turn it into the most genuine and quality life lessons, it's Ariana. And uh, she does that. So if you are considering gardening, you are going to love this. If you are a beginner gardener or an expert gardener, you are going to love this. And if you have never even considered gardening before, there's also some good stuff in here for you. So I'm going to wish you guys a wonderful week. I hope you guys have a lot of good days. And I'm going to let Ariana tell you all about her company, The Birch Arbor, and just fill your brains with as much garden knowledge as physically possible within an hour time period. (laughs) Y'all enjoy. All right, that's awesome. Well, today I'm sitting down with Ariana Iapini. We met through our good friend, Mary Jo Anderson. Uh, she's up there in New England with you. So I met you going up to, um, Boston to Newburyport for the, um, from the heart event. And you came in, I think the day before and Mary Jo, I will say this prior to meeting you when I was at the event venue with her and we were setting up and stuff and she was like, I can't wait for you to meet my, my girl Ari. And I was like, Oh, okay, that's great. And so I was really, really excited to meet you. And she was absolutely right. You have, you're awesome, but you have also been a godsend to me as we've been getting into this new house and getting our backyard set up for this new house. Let's, let's give the listeners a little bit of insight into who you are and what your background is and just a little bit about your life. Well, thank you so much for that super sweet introduction. I'm so thrilled that we met through our sweet Mary Jo. She's, <laughs> she's amazing. She's just such a conduit for good energy. She's connected with me, me with so many wonderful people already, including yourself. And I'm so grateful for that. That's awesome. Um, Yeah. So my name is Ariana Iapini. I am a kitchen garden coach and the owner of the Birch Arbor, which is a garden design and consulting company. I'm based in New England, as you mentioned, in the North Shore of Massachusetts. And I live here with my husband and our two sweet boys who are both under the age of three. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is rare I talk to someone whose household is even crazier than mine but I think you you win I think you got this one are both boys high energy they are yes they yeah, are yeah girl yeah. <laughs> just bouncing off the walls these days and my youngest is eating the dirt out of all my house plants for fun he loves it that's awesome so you have the perfect job for him he's like I, I made it with this mom yeah. <laughs> Loves eating a peck of dirt. <laughs> are you um are you from Massachusetts originally? I am, yes. Oh wow, okay. So you've been there your whole life. How about your husband? Yes. Born and okay. raised. How did y'all meet? So <laughs> this is a funny story. Well, I'll try to make the it short, but we grew up less than a mile away from each other, but in different towns. We both kind of live near the edges of the town. Um, And we had probably like 30 mutual friends growing up and we had probably passed each other a hundred times at gatherings and things, but I was in film school and I was working on a 
documentary about surfing in New England, and he happened to be a surfer. And another one of our mutual friends tried to connect us so that I could um, do some filming for a documentary with him. So that has to feel like a completely different life. You were in film school? <laughs> what? Yeah, I was in film school. <laughs> that was um, amazing. Yeah, we're Tim and I are both um, really strong nature lovers we both surf and we've both done these things separately and then we came together and enjoyed these things together we I snowboard he skis so we're on the mountain in the winter a lot together yeah and so that's why I got into filming originally just because I wanted to do kind of action sports photography and videography work that is so cool Thank you. I just I just learned about a completely different side of you that I want to explore further <laughs> That's amazing. So are you guys still that close to where you guys both grew up? Yeah, we're just um, about an hour north of where we grew up. That's amazing. You then got married. You had kids. When did your love for gardening start? So this is actually like my absolute favorite story to talk about. It's one of my favorite, it's a question I get asked so often, and it's one of my favorite stories because the garden has really been rooted in my the history of my life, as long as I can remember. Um, my grandparents owned a 27-acre farm in New Hampshire where I grew up frequenting, and some of my earliest memories, most of my earliest memories are in this garden, walking the rows with my grandparents, um, picking the potato beetles, and and pulling carrots with childish enthusiasm with my grandmother by her side. And it's my favorite story because in speaking it, I get the opportunity to like relive it every day. Mm. And um, these memories are such a precious commodity to me personally and have really become such a great reminder for me as a parent to build that connection to nature and to encourage the notion of coming back to our roots with my children. That's such a pure way to parent with intentionality. It's really easy when you're inside the house to let a lot of little moments pass and, and go unnoticed and to get behind a screen, you know, let the, your kids get behind a screen or let your kids get into occupied by, with something so that you can go do housework or, you know, any number of chores or things you have to get done. But the second you move outside, that's like where those beautiful childhood memories are made. So I feel like the garden, it just breathes like intentional parenting and just like, like real raw cherished moments. We started embracing some um, homesteading techniques or practices here as well to kind of encourage that same energy. We started to keep chickens. And so we have chickens in our backyard and the kids absolutely love them. It's so sweet to see them collecting, well, Kai mostly, but to see him collecting eggs and wanting to help with the chores that go along with keeping the chickens and you know, wanting to talk to them and <laughs> so That's sweet. That's awesome. I wish we could have chickens. I saw, so anyone that follows on Instagram, um, it's a hunt life with Bridget. They just got the little chicks. And ever since seeing that, I'm like, I want chickens, but we live in, I don't, I think our HOA would not be cool. <laughs> so, but it looks like such a fun way to live. You have like your fresh eggs, you get to care for this like pet that lives outside. We love it. It's nice but, to have the fresh eggs. Especially right now, I think a lot of people are going back to that idea of being more self-sustainable. Yeah, I actually heard that like it's really hard to get chickens and eggs or chickens and chicks right now because people are realizing <laughs> how hard it is to get eggs. So I guess they're getting chickens instead. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I would love it. My parents own some acreage about less than 20 minutes from us and I've been to talk them into chickens for years but they haven't bit on it yet <laughs> so, that'd be like yeah. the perfect scenario the chickens live at their house and I can get the eggs you should re revisit that conversation now <laughs> yeah, perfect. I'll let my mom listen to this episode and then I'll be like about those chickens <laughs> that's awesome so really great for low maintenance I find oh good yeah. that's good to hear mm -hmm. so you grew up with your grandparents at the garden. Was your grandma like a pretty 
expert gardener. Like she had like all sorts of plants to have quite a bit of space to garden. Yeah. Again, they had 27 acres of farm. So they had a large um, orchard with apple trees and other fruiting trees. They had a large cornfield and a pumpkin patch. And they had an expansive collection of chickens and pigs and a horse. They had a lot. It was a full-on farm. And my grandmother had a wonderful green thumb. And she grew extensive cut flower gardens and just would share all of the produce from the garden and all of these beautiful flower arrangements she would put together. She would share them with people in her community. And that's so inspiring as a child to see that gesture. Yeah, that is so cool. I, that I'm, I'm already seeing where your heart comes from. That's amazing. So at that point, so you, you've, I assume you've been gardening your whole life of adulthood then too. Is that true? Like you, in adulthood, you kind of figured out how to, how to weave it into your life? Well, so after high school, I began to volunteer a lot of my free time at a local community garden where I worked alongside um, seasoned farmers and gardeners in the community. And this is where I really grew my skill set and learned to care for plants. And shortly after that started, um, I built my first raised garden bed with the help of my talented woodworking grandfather. I've built raised bed gardens at every home since then oh wow that's so cool where at what point then did the birch arbor come along like at what point did you you've been gardening forever and your passion for this and your skill set with this has grown for years and years and years at what point did this become a business so my first client came directly from instagram where I was avidly sharing garden tips and tricks and current happenings in my own home garden. And this person we've already kind of spoken to, you might know by now, is Mary Jo from Port to Palm. She was someone who had never grown a food garden before, but had always, in her words, which I love, wanted to come back to the roots. Mm -hmm. Love that sentiment. So she was watching what I was doing, and that completely sparked her desire to take action and plant the first seed. She invited me to come coach her in her garden, and that's exactly where this started. That's insane. That's amazing. And I gardened for, this will be our third season. We have raised garden beds at my parents' house. We have like, I don't know, four or five or six beds, something in there. I'm not really sure. But the first season, we were like all in. We were so excited. We built the beds ourselves. We were like gung-ho, me and my husband and children, my parents, and then my brother and his wife all had like our select beds. And so we were like tending to our bed and making it as good as possible and had plants, you know, that we were all planning out for it. And we had a really good harvest for that season, especially considering it was our first year any of us had ever really done it. Then the second year came along and I was a little bit more in the trenches of motherhood. My kids were at very challenging ages. Life was crazy. And my parents and my brother and his wife got their beds all ready. And they were like, hey, are you wanting to plant something this year? And I literally just like went to the store and like grabbed seeds and threw them in the ground. uh it was okay like I didn't get a ton of (laughs) a ton of response on my plants I mean I got some which was awesome but I wasn't as invested that year but that's the year that you helped that was last year you helped Mary Jo out with her garden and I was following along on Instagram and see every single week going to her garden and pulling out just this huge crop of vegetables that she could cook in like a variety the whole time and I was like the way that she put it, and I don't know if this is her words or yours, but like you help people build a kitchen garden where they can actually like have the right crops and the right harvest so that they can like take it in and use it in their home and in their cooking and and share it with their neighbors for their home and cooking. And I was like, that is what I need. Cause right now I have about 80 tomatoes, three peppers, (laughs) nothing else. And I was like, I can make a few batches of like pico de gallo. And that's like the extent of what I'm able to use my harvest for. (laughs) So that was the first moment I got turned on to you. And that was like a year before we even met. I would love to dig into this a little bit, right? Because I think that there's so much 
confusion behind gardening. And I hear this sentiment from people often. It's, I've always wanted to garden, but I don't know where to start. Or I don't have a green thumb. But my take on it is this. If you've ever had an interest in starting a garden, or even if it's a newfound interest, you have what I consider a green heart. Right? Oh, I love it. This is the green heart. And the green heart is the direct link to the green thumb, guys. <laughs> That's amazing. And the only thing holding so many people back from planting that first seed, like from, you know, Mary Jo made that first commitment. She saw what I was doing and said, you know, there's someone that could help me. Let me ask, let me reach out for support here. The only thing holding you back from planting that first seed is a fear-based mentality. Whether you're the mm. person who think, think, thinks and overthinks everything or you give up on yourself because of the fear of failure, you have to know that there is so much abundance waiting for you on the other side of that fear. But you must take action and focus on your effort. So this is where my work as a garden coach can help people to stay focused on a growing mindset. I'm eating this up right now. I mean, no pun intended. Like I, I <laughs> love this. This is awesome. Cause I whole, I wholeheartedly agree. I hear it from my friends all the time. I'm someone that like, if I want to do something, even if I have no idea what I'm doing, I just like, I just give it a go. But so many of my friends have done exactly what you're saying. They want to start a garden. They like seeing that we have started a garden but they don't know what to do, so they don't do anything. Right. And, I mean, even for me starting this business, I've never really started a business before, and that was super intimidating. And I had lived in a mentality where it was like, this is too hard, I can't do this. And I didn't take a first step to make that dream a reality or even allow myself to really dream big there. But once I, I found this opportunity to grow a gardening business, the light bulb went off for me. And it was like, this is exactly what I am meant to do in this world. <laughs> I pushed back my fear and I made that first step. And I went over to Mary Jo's house. I did a consult with her. We designed a garden plan and we made that first steps. And it's just grown since then because I abandoned that fear-based mentality going into the growth of this um, business. And I think there are so many aspects that, in life that this is really relatable to. And I think the garden is a great opportunity to practice failing also. Mm. I've been gardening for years, but I have things that don't succeed in the garden. There are so many variables that go into it. And that's just how life works. And I think if you can just embrace the failure, you're going to learn something. You're going to grow your knowledge. You're going to see what works and what doesn't work. And you adjust your course. So this is where my work as a garden coach comes in because I can really help people to focus on that growing mindset. I'm here to support and guide you towards becoming a confident gardener. I offer consultations where I meet with people as well and we assess the space for their gardens we talk about items they want to grow we answer questions they might have and design um and design a plan to get growing and I'm working with a great guy William who's helping me to um build and install these raised beds at clients homes I also offer additional garden coaching sessions to dig into troubleshooting issues clients may have in the garden as we progress um, through the growing season. Ari, I freaking love this. You're amazing. My husband is a self-proclaimed perfectionist. He really struggles with failure. And so he normally doesn't start stuff if he doesn't think he can succeed in it. There are a few exceptions in that. Like he is, I've told you this, he's like Mr all about gardening. He loves it. In in fact, in the past two seasons that we've grown, he's been more involved in it than even I have. And I've been involved. As you're saying this, I'm actually wondering if he has, maybe subconsciously, but he has this perspective of like, he's allowed to fail here. And I don't know if that's what it is or not, but it's like, it's like a safe place to count your wins 
and not worry about your losses. And that's just, that doesn't happen a lot in life, especially for people who struggle to fail. And like, I, like I said it before, I, I can fail and I'll be like, all right, well, that was a good shot and cool. Like (laughs) do something else. But for him, that might be part of it where he's like, he, he, you know, there's so many controllables he can control and he controls those within the garden when he can. And then you see what comes up and you're excited about what does and you get to eat it and you get to like have it nourish you. And that's such a like divine relationship there. But then you also just like, oh, oh, okay, that cucumber didn't come up or, you know, whatever, like it doesn't matter. But I wonder if that's what it is for him that just draws him so much to this. Yeah, I think the idea of like nature being a huge variable can be easing to some people maybe, you know, like I I can't control the weather. I can't control certain bugs. I mean, especially in a garden where you're not putting chemicals on your garden, which most people who are growing food in their homes are not doing, but I can't control some of these pest issues, you know, releasing that, that control. Yeah, that's awesome. That's amazing. So let's jump into this a little bit for people who are listening. I will say I put out a feeler on my Instagram account because truly like I think gardening is fascinating and I have found, I I didn't grow up, I grew up in the city. Like I didn't grow up with a garden, wasn't on my radar of things to do. My parents bought acreage here in Tennessee when they moved here and we were like, shoot, let's let's see if we can do this. Like it, that's, it was so out of the blue. It wasn't anything that we, that I've ever done before. And I found that I loved it. I I thought it was like so healing and just peaceful and just fun. But I also recognize that it, that that might not be everyone's perspective of it. So I put out a feeler on my Instagram after meeting you. And I was like, who would be interested in a, in a garden episode? And the response was completely overwhelming. I'm not joking when I say I think it might have been the most interaction I've had on a survey ever on my account. Like people were like, "Yes, we I want to know." And since, you know, you've you've seen in the last couple of weeks we've been putting together our garden at our new house now that we have our own yard and the amount of messages I'm getting asking questions. Well, what are you doing here? Why are you doing this? And and I'm like, "You are in an industry that first of all, I don't think I've never met another garden coach, so I think you're you're really ahead of the game here. But secondly, it's clearly a huge desire of people to want to know more about this. So with that said, I think a lot of people are beginners here. Where do you recommend that like people start? People are listening to this. They're like, okay, cool. Like, I'm ready to fail. I'm ready to succeed. I'm ready to test the waters. Like, let's do this. Let's go for it. What the heck do I do? So that's an excellent question. A great place to begin to grow your green thumb is by starting a small container garden with some herbs for cooking. So you can upcycle a container or you can purchase a container online. You'll also need a soil mixture. I like to use a um, one-third mix of potting soil, compost, and sand for drainage. You can use um, like play sand. You can start herbs from seed indoors or simply purchase started plants from your local nursery. When I plant a container herb garden, I like to start by planting in the back of the container or the center of the bed. And I like to place things that are going to grow really tall and require more water. So plants like dill and parsley. I like to line the front of the beds with creeping or trailing varieties to grow kind of over the sides of the containers, like marjoram or trailing rosemary. Ooh, okay. Yeah, and that's really just the basic design and layout for an herb garden, and that's a really great place to start. That's really interesting. So we are planning on doing an herb garden, but I haven't done it yet because we've been so focused on the big bed. Um. But literally, I don't know what to do with spices. So the only things I was going to throw in there were basil and cilantro. And I was like, well, (laughs) I at least know what to do with those things. So I love that you're actually giving examples of of herbs to use because these are things that I'm like, oh, I can go get rosemary or any of these things and include them in my cooking, which will be great. And I think just the notion helps people sometimes like, where do I... Do I, how do I plant when I'm putting things in the garden? And I always like to kind of plant with the taller items in the back or in the center and then just medium to small items as you come forward in the beds. 
That's awesome. That's perfect. Question for clarification. When you say front of the bed, is that towards the window or towards the house? Um, so if you're having them indoors, is that what you mean indoors in a window? Yeah. Yeah. So you'd want the taller items in the back. Um, so. <laughs> okay. You'd want the taller items away from the sunlight so yeah. that everything's getting sunlight. Can herbs grow successfully inside or is it more of an outdoor thing? Yeah, they definitely can. And something like this, that a container garden is so easy to transfer in and out. I had a large herb garden um, shelf kind of system that I had on my on my deck. And when the weather started to shift and it was time for those items to um, move inside, I just brought the entire thing inside. And, you know, had to you have to adjust your watering a little bit depending on what the like air quality is in your house. We have it gets really cold here in the winter, so we have a lot of dry air in the house. So some of the items like the rosemary that likes a lot of humidity, I just watered more frequently and tried to keep away from that the vent that blows that dry air right out. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so herb gardens are awesome to start and you still get to enjoy that growth because herbs, when you put it in your food and they're fresh, are so much more delicious than like what you would buy in a spice rack bottle. So that's perfect. And it also accounts for people who maybe don't have a ton of space or a huge budget to try out gardening this year, which is really cool. What about for the people who are looking for like the next step? Yeah. So if you're someone who's committed to growing your knowledge and experience in the garden and you've graduated past that herb garden and you know you're ready to make a plan for your kitchen garden install, my advice is to take a look at the space you have available for your garden and take a moment to observe that space and ask yourself a few questions about this area. How much sunlight does it get each day? Will this be an accessible and functional space for my family? Does the space have pests that I may have to deter? Is it a beautiful space? What kind of garden beds do I want to go there? Just take some time to get clarity on these questions and then you can begin to dig into the details. I always recommend raised bed gardening. Raised beds help to limit some of the variables like unwanted weeds and pests. And once you determine what type of garden beds you prefer, then you can work on sourcing the product and the materials. You can DIY the project if you're handy or hire it out to a company that builds them for you, which is one of our services that we offer to clients. And once you've got your beds planned out, you can decide what you want to grow. This might sound silly, but I always tell clients to grow what you eat, Obviously, <laughs> right? <laughs> but rather than getting all caught up with growing all the things, start with the items you really enjoy. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm guilty of that. <laughs> I'm like such an enthusiastic person that like when it comes time to plant a garden, I'm like, let's have everything. Like I want it colorful and I want it full. <laughs> I want options. But yeah, that's something I learned the first year because I grew. <laughs> we... <laughs> the first year, we didn't know anything. And so in our thing, in our bed, I just wanted like as many things to fit in there as possible. And so one of the things I planted was... <laughs> was asparagus. I didn't realize how <laughs> how intense asparagus is. It has yeah. taken it's like taken over that bed. And it takes years to get a good And it part. takes years. I know. I didn't find that out until it was like, you know, like full growth of that year. And my mom's like, "Oh yeah, this is like a 3 year a 3 year plant." And I'm like, I'm sorry. Do you think I would have ever chosen a three-year plant? Someone should have warned me about this beforehand. <laughs> That's where it helps to have someone like you <laughs> in place. Just the fact that you wanted to try everything is also such a beautiful thing, right? Sometimes we do just need to learn by experience. The first raised bed garden I put in, this is coming from working on a functional market farm. I had been working on this market farm for a while. And so I came in with my first raised garden bed as a single person living in my house by myself. And I planted 10 tomato plants. There is no way I would ever, ever maybe in my lifetime have eaten the amount of tomatoes <laughs> that would have came off these 10 plants in that season. <laughs> so it's all kind of a trial by error kind of thing or just you know learning from experience and I ended up ripping out five of those plants and still had a crazy abundance 
of tomatoes, which I shared with my friends and family and neighbors. And that was wonderful. But I learned for the next year going in how to better utilize a space. And, and I think just having that experience was such a huge growth for me in, in yeah. education in the garden. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. This is yeah, this is definitely one of those things It goes back to you saying that's okay to fail because it's one of those things that you just like learn as you go. And there's something really beautiful in that. I feel like there's not there's not a whole lot of things in life anymore that are so authentically just like you just got to get your hands dirty and see what happens. And it's nice to be able to, as Mary Jo said, like go back to the roots of it and and really just like learn a skill for yourself through experience and through putting in the, the time to do it. And I have friends who are technically trained master gardeners and still the, the thing they'll say is that they're always learning. There's always new things to learn in the garden. It's a really great opportunity for growth all around. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah, so I, I want to speak into some of the potential obstacles a little bit because I don't want anyone to feel held back from growing their own kitchen garden. Some people may feel restricted by the space they have available, say if they live in a, um, a complex or have a small balcony to work with. Or their space doesn't get 8 to 10 hours of sunlight each day. Or they don't have a ton of money to invest in the garden. Well, I'm here to tell you the limitations you've set for yourself are in your head. If you believe your space doesn't get enough sunlight, consider that although there are things which do require 8 to 10 hours of sunlight to produce fruit, there are also plenty of shade-tolerant plants that thrive without long hours of sunlight. Some of those shade intolerant plants include spinach, chard, many of the leaf lettuce varieties, peas, cilantro. And if you're working with a small space like a patio or balcony, I suggest growing a vertical garden to maximize the space available for growing food. Ooh, that's so good. All right. So talk to me about what people can do if they're on a tighter budget then. Ever seen a flower Growing from the crack in a sidewalk, a seed will attempt to grow where you plant it. You can make a container garden from an old bucket or something else you have lying around. I've seen people using tires to make um, raised beds. You may have to get creative, but that's a wonderful opportunity. Yes, for sure. And this is a little different because we were on a lot of land, but I told you this story and it just goes to show that you can literally create garden beds out of anything. My parents, they bought this, uh, I think it's like 16 acres or something here in Tennessee. And we decided we wanted these gardens. And so we had a, a certain amount of cedar that came from actual trees that were cut down on their property, which was cool. And we built these cedar garden beds and they wanted another bed and they had, their property is, um, like old, old, old property. It got parceled out and the family that grew up you know, 80 years ago on that property still lives on certain ones of the parcels. So they're kind of like, they're like all like 90 years old and kind of spread out on these different parcels. My parents bought the parcel that contained their original childhood home, but it no longer was a home. It was just like the stone foundation. And so they took those stones to kind of honor the history of that house and they built a garden bed out of it. And so they have like a four by eight, you know, great, great size raised garden bed, a hundred percent free. They just threw the stones together and then they bought the soil to go in there, but that was it. That is such a great use of found materials and also like honoring the heritage of that property. There is so much there. I love that. And I think so many people could benefit from that kind of understanding that you can really just a lot of a lot of local dumps will have um, yard materials that people are getting rid of, like bricks and things like this, that you can collect without a charge and build a barrier for your garden and just fill that with soil. Some of the the um, dump facilities even have compost piles that the community can start, and you can come in with your buckets and fill up your free compost whenever you need it. There's oh, wow. a lot of great resources like that if you just look for them. That's amazing. Yeah. And I actually, today we bought our soil for our bed and we have a huge bed this year for our property. At least our yard's not that big and it's like half a garden right now. I love that. I can make a whole garden, but that's just me. (laughs) You'll see 
happening in my own garden this season at my new home. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> so I was expecting the soil to be super expensive because we bought the like really top of the line soil mixture that you recommended with having um, topsoil plus compost plus sand. Mm-hmm. And it was like 60 bucks to fill our entire bed. I mean, it wasn't bad at all. And so, and that's for a huge, you know, eight by 12 foot garden bed. You can do this on a budget or you could do this really fancy too. You can probably go both ways with it. Yeah. And I love that idea too. I, I really um, love to embrace the idea of marrying function and beauty. The kitchen garden is really about being this like aesthetically pleasing place for you to walk out to when you're about to cook a meal and collect your items for that meal and really feel at peace in that space. And um, that's why I really, I like to use cedar. We use this really gorgeous cedar in our raised beds and I just love the way it looks. And a lot of the clients really like that look. And I find that it really does add so much beauty to the property. That's awesome. Yeah. My parents ended up using cedar too from their own uh, property, which was so fun. And I, that's what I've heard too most to use with the, is cedar. And I, it's probably large, largely for beauty, but I think that it also holds up pretty well over time, doesn't it? does yes it's one of the woods that has the most longevity in the garden this is the first time we've had a a garden on our own property that we can actually like go do every day like right outside your door it's just oh my gosh I love it and we can it it, the whole garden is directly out of our living room window so like our living room window you look straight down and it's like Mm -hmm. it is the garden and so it's I'm just so excited to have everything start to come up there and we will just look out and see it and it's just it's gonna be great that's a really good point to to bring up actually I think that that's like such a huge thing for people with these gorgeous kitchen gardens is just having that sight line we're talking about beauty right talking about how um, you want to integrate that function but also connect the beauty when you can have that that nice sight line out your window of your home to look into the garden there's something that's like just so fantastic about that. And it just yes. yeah, it just like fills you up and makes you feel good without actually even being in the garden. You're just like looking at it like my baby, my beautiful baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I fought my husband tooth and nail over the like the placement of our garden because he wanted to put it behind our fence. And I was like, I I will never see it. Like that's yeah. half the fun for me. That's probably like three quarters of the fun for me is being just looking at it every day. It's just a little extra gift you get from the garden. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you spoke a little bit to people who might only have like a balcony. Um, if people have like a, a, a small yard space like we do, what are some of the ways that they can kind of fit a garden in there? Is uh, Raised beds you recommend? Can people also plant on the ground or like how does, what do you, what do you think works best for people in small yards? You can absolutely do in-ground gardening. Um, I think there are things, factors to consider if you have pests that could get in there quite easily. A raised bed might be a better option so you're not feeling like Elmer Fudd out there chasing the rabbit. (laughs) (laughs) I have experience in my lifetime. (laughs) It's amazing. I love it. Well, that's, that's awesome. I feel like you've really talked through everything people need to hear to be able to have the confidence to just take that first step and just say, okay, we're just going to go for it this year. And it's perfect timing because it's, we're almost to the season where it's time to the, to plant the seeds. So it's so cool that, you know, the, just the timing is just perfect with it. And I know this is like your busiest season. So thank you for carving out some time for this, <laughs> but you have all these people. Okay. These listeners are ready. They're going to go, they're going to go make their gardens. They're going to pick out their plants. They're excited. They're going to do trial and error. They're going to have some great harvests and they're going to have some things that don't show up and it's going to be a great learning experience. What are some tips that you have? Maybe just like methods of success that you have found over the years. In raised bed gardening, I always recommend an intensive planting technique, which just means that you're only giving the plants the space that they require for their maturity and nothing more. So that helps to reduce the amount of weeds you're going to get in the garden, and it helps to suppress pests. It also 
just gives you more space in the garden to grow more items. And I love the idea of packing it in as, and getting as much output as you can from a, one space. Yes, yes. So let's talk about that for a second because you blew my mind with what um, you have said is like one of the most non-obvious, obvious things. And that's that <laughs> the first two years that we gardened, we had one day that we planted everything. It was like planting day for our family. We went out there, we sowed all the seeds and we were like, yes, we're going to have our garden now. And then from then on out, it was just like we were just watering and pruning and harvesting. And what happened, which was still awesome, we still loved every harvest we got, but like unless it was like a pepper plant or a tomato plant um, or something of that nature that sprouts so many fruits. The other things like the root vegetables, they all just came at once and they were all done at once. And we had like tons of garlic ready to go. (laughs) And then that was it. And I was like, Oh cool. We have six garlics. So I hope you're ready to cook with it. So what did you teach me about how to make it so like when with things like carrots or onions and probably a lot of other things that I don't even know about, what can you do to kind of spread out your harvest that is so obvious, but yet I overlooked it for two years? So this is called successive planting or succession planting. And remind me, because I want to go back to your garlic topic. So let's okay. get back to the after. So okay. remind me. <laughs> So this is called successive planting, meaning that if you have four rows of carrots that you have allotted your garden space for, instead of planting all the seeds at once, you end up harvesting, you know, say 40 carrots at once, you space that time that you see these carrots in that allotted space. So you'd plant one row and then wait two weeks and then plant another row and wait another two weeks. And this way you're not gonna be harvesting all of your carrots at the exact same time. And you'll be able to enjoy those carrots throughout the season. And you can extend that time. I'm, that's just an example. Is everyone's mind blown right now? Isn't this so easy? But how many people were ready to just like have a day that they just planted all their seeds? Cause that's, that's how we were going into it. I told my husband, I was like, listen, we're supposed to do the carrots like every couple weeks. And he was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> like we are two intelligent people. I don't know why we didn't see it ourselves. You have to remember to go back and like write yourself a note that a reminder. That's the, that can be another issue, I guess. You got to make sure you're remembering to go back and do that planting. <laughs> yeah, fortunately, I don't think I would, but the man I married will. So <laughs> that is where that is where I lucked out in that department. He will be ready. He'll be like this day at this time it is we're sowing our second row, so that'd be good. So yeah, what's going on with the garlic? So garlic typically goes in all in the fall. Dang. <laughs> Bad <it>. example. <laughs> yeah, that's okay, you're learning. You're going to learn something new right now. Yeah, that's great. And the reason is that garlic needs a stratification period, which just means that um, they need that cold, that period of cold winter to really produce a good bulb that next season. And the other good thing about planting all your garlic at once is that garlic is something that stores really well and it will last a long time if you store it correctly and don't have it um, sitting like in a moist environment where it could get moldy. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I know when we were talking about, so Ari is doing my garden plants right now, our garden plants right now, which... Y'all, I can't even. I'm going to go on this for a while with you guys and tell you all about it. But the first thing I said, you said, what other seeds that you haven't um, seed started do you want to do? And I was like, oh, garlic. And she's like, no, you don't. (laughs) She was like, like, not the season. And I was like, all right, cool. So uh, lesson number one, first thing out of my mouth. Nope, don't do that. (laughs) I was like, yes, this is exactly what I need you for. It's amazing. But it's awesome that you now have that opportunity to put something in the ground for the fall and like look forward to something going in. Well, it'll be a little later for you because you have a warmer climate than I do here. But um, to have that opportunity to look ahead and have that kind of goal for the end of the season is really nice. I yeah, always, I like that a lot. I always love that time. I love putting 
you can put tulip bulbs in the ground in the winter. And I, I love the idea of just like being present enough in the garden to think ahead for the months that are, you know, you can't really quite see yet. Yeah, no, that's something that I also, I actually learned from following your Instagram page is that you did a whole winter garden at your house and she's up North y'all. So it gets, it gets real cold up there compared to Tennessee. And you were able to set up different things on your raised beds to make winter plants grow up there. And I was like, oh, this is so fun because, you know, for us, again, so far, we have a spring garden, we eat throughout summer, and then we don't touch it again for like nine months. And I miss being able to interact with the garden because it's such a, it's just such a therapeutic time. And it's so fun to do with my kids and they love it, even though they don't eat vegetables, but they love picking them. (laughs) And, um, I, I was so cool to see that you, I I know we can do it here because you're doing it up North. And so it's probably even easier for us to an extent. Can you, there's certain things that you can do kind of throughout the year and you have different seasons for different things. And it's not like the season changes and we're out of the garden for nine months again. So that's amazing. I, I love it. And I'm, I'm looking forward to this year being able to do that more. Yeah, there's a lot of cool techniques out there or products that you can put in the garden to help extend the season. I use currently I'm using low tunnels, which are just poly tunnels that I put over my garden space. In our future garden, we're going to be building out some cold frames with extra pieces of wood that we have lying around. And I have, I've found and sourced some old windows from neighbors to put together. And that, then I'll be able to grow some cold weather crops and frost hardy um, lettuces and varieties like that that are really cold tolerant all year round. And ideally, I'll actually be harvesting greens all the way through the winter next year. That is so cool. I love it. And that actually, to me, is like the best thing that you could harvest year round because I cannot stand buying greens from the grocery store because they never last as long as I need them to. <laughs> and so to be able to just walk outside and be like, I want a salad today. So I'm going to go get greens that I need for that today and not have to buy this huge container and have it go half to waste. That's awesome. That's really cool. We're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be following along very intently with your Instagram page to see if I can pull off a similar thing. <laughs> That's and awesome. It's trying, you know, it's worth trying something new. This polytunnel was a brand new experience for me this year. I've never um, used a polytunnel in my garden and I pulled up the last of my carrots like less than a month ago. I was Jeez. pulling up kale and and some broccoli greens out of that garden all winter. That's incredible. So we've we've covered some of the the basics of gardening and also some more in-depth tips, which is amazing. I know so many people are going to be so excited about this. Where can people find you? And let's I also want to outline exactly the services that you're able to offer people through the Birch Arbor because obviously you have some great clientele up there. And now, especially with the coronavirus, you are doing a ton of virtual stuff, even with your clients up there. And you've been doing virtual consulting with me on my garden. So we're about to just open this up to everyone and just say, listen, doesn't matter where you live, whether or not you can visit it in person, FaceTime works great. You know, we can still see the space. We can still design a space. We can still design a garden. We can still talk strategy of gardens, all of it with you no matter where we live. So what are you able to offer with people with the Birch Arbor and what, what can they turn to you for and that kind of thing? Yeah, well, on my Instagram page, I share a lot of tips and tricks and various tidbits of information for some of the things that I'm growing. I'll also be building up our brand new kitchen garden at our new home this year. We're starting from scratch with um, a brand new space. We're actually ripping our whole front lawn out and turning the front of our house into a large kitchen garden. So I'll be sharing some DIY raised bed garden ideas and plans, um, as well as just some general gardening tips as always. And 
I'm currently offering consults, virtual consults for clients interested in having a more one-on-one -on -one experience. Again, like you just said, I'm doing um, these virtual meetings. And during your kitchen garden consultation, we'll discuss the property to determine the placement and layout for the garden. We'll speak into options for the best type of materials to accommodate your style and budget and discuss any questions you might have about starting your kitchen garden. After the meeting, I will provide the client with a custom plan and garden design based on their particular dreams and goals for the garden. I also like to include more information for installing the garden and a plotting plan and maintenance sheets for people just to know all of the items that you're going to need for the garden. That's amazing. And I can I can speak to just how thorough you have been. I mean, you sent me the first draw up of our plot the other night and I sent it, I took a screenshot of it and I sent it over to my husband and he literally, everyone that knows my husband knows that he is not a huge conversationalist. He literally, <laughs> literally was like, this is exactly what I've been wanting to do. Like, this is, this is amazing. I wanted an image. I wanted to be able to see it. I wanted to be able like, you actually have the crops on a paper with our bed and you can see exactly where things are going to go and what they're going to look like. And he was like, this is, this is it. This is exactly what I wanted. This is amazing. And then I told him, I was like, and she's going to send, you know, like which plants, which plant next to each other and all these things so that we don't mess up the flavors of anything or have anything, you know, have anything, um, kill another thing or anything like that. And he was like, this is going to be incredible. We're going to have the best gardening like season yet. And he, he's, he was thrilled. I honestly, I don't know if I've seen him like that enthusiastic. About something in a while. So are you did it. You did it. You did it. It was awesome. That was awesome. That is my goal. I want to be here to be your coach and your cheerleader. And I just want to support you in any way that I can to like, get those dreams out of your head and into the garden and just grow that abundance of produce for your family and neighbors and friends and to share that, you know, that's my heart. I want to share that with my, with my community. That's amazing. And that, that for me, I know that like seeing it up, one of the things that I've always struggled with is not knowing how much I can fit in a bed. And so like the fact that you were able to put it all on a piece of paper and I could see the image and all of a sudden I'm like, I'm a very visual learner. And I was like, oh, okay. Like this is what I can put in here without it being too much for the plants to handle. So that was really helpful. Um, where does the name the Birch Arbor come from? So this is actually one of my other favorite stories to tell because my favorite person in the world built me a Birch Arbor. My grandpa built the Birch Arbor for me and my husband, Tim, to get married under. We were married on my grandpa's property, which is the farm where I grew up. And after our wedding, the arbor was placed in the gateway of our first garden at our first home together as a reminder to our family of the connection we have to the garden. Sadly, my grandfather passed away before I started this business, but I think he would really be so proud of what I'm building here. And... Um, I'm like going to ball. <laughs> it's okay. That's awesome. And I wanted to keep a part of him in my work, hence the name, the Birch Arbor. And I feel his and my grandmother's guiding presence every single day in the garden. And I've truly never felt more fulfilled and aligned in my work. So I'm happy to embrace their energy with this name and honoring them in some way. That's amazing. I love that. It's like all the good feelings. It's amazing. But the very last thing I want you to touch on, because you just spoke about it, and I think it's important that people know your heart and where and just your passion for everything. You know, I've been following you on Instagram for a while. I've seen you post about this new garden that you guys are creating at your house that's going to yield just way more of a harvest and, and just so much more for your own household, but way more than that, being able to give to your community. So can you just kind of speak about just your perspective of the power of gardening and what it does for a community? Oh, absolutely. I think when you show up anywhere with a basket of produce, you see the light in people's eyes and just telling them that you grew this item is such a special thing to bring to people. And, and it feels like almost like a handwritten note on steroids. Like it's like I I sewed the time and the effort and the love into this 
and I'm gifting it to you. And then it's not only just like the gift, but there's like a second experience with it where they actually get to eat it and consume it and taste it. I love that. It's like an edible love note to your community. (laughs) I love that. All love notes would be better if they were edible. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So with this new garden, you guys are, it's a fairly large garden for your space, right? Yeah, it should, it should be larger than we've had at our previous homes. So it'll be great to have the abundance to share with people. We have some wonderful neighbors. I've been bringing eggs from our chickens over to them and seeing that joy that that brings to people. I think I'm, I think that just gives me that light that I'm so excited to, to bring to others with the garden. That's so cool. I love it. And, and I think what you've been able to put into words is just a new perspective on gardening that anyone that has gardened feels that, but if you haven't done it yet, you don't know that kind of joy that it can bring you. And I just think there's so many people that are right on the cusp of, of wanting to give this a go in their own space and in their own house. And I, I just can't thank you enough for coming on tonight, giving us a couple hours after our kids went to bed <laughs> because uh, it is COVID-19 time. We are social distancing. We are both figuring out times to record a podcast episode when our kids are sleeping. <laughs> and um, I just thank you so much because I, I know that there's me so many people that are just like intently, probably like with a notepad listening to this and and ready to kick off that that journey for them. And it's just such a cool thing. It can be a lifelong journey for people. So thank, thank you. you so much for having me. I can't thank you enough. This has been such a wonderful experience. And anyone listening who has an interest in learning more from me can reach me at thebircharbor at gmail.com or um, through my Instagram page, which is at the.birch.arbor. I'm always happy to give support to folks interested in growing their experience in the garden. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Ari. You're amazing. And I, I sincerely appreciate it. I'm so excited to blast this out to people right at the start of, of gardening season. Yes. And uh, it's just going to be a huge blessing. It's such a good time to get growing. So I'm really happy that I can bring this to you all today. That's awesome. Mm-hmm.